0: Part two of looking at the Beatitudes, and uh, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus sees the crowd, the large crowd, and separates his separates his disciples out by taking them away to the mountaintop. There, that is the way that this portion of Scripture is referenced as the Sermon on the Mount, with the Beatitudes being the introduction. To the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount goes from chapter five right through to the end of chapter seven. Now, in the first four statements of Matthew's Beatitudes that we looked at last week, Jesus establishes character and identity. He identifies character and uh, and establishes that, and he he does this before he now establishes conduct. In other words, Jesus is establishing being, being part of the kingdom of God, being part. of being one of his disciples he's establishing that first he does this before he establishes conduct or doing in other words what motivates us to do what we do now in John chapter 3 verse 3 in reply to Jesus uh, in reply Jesus declares it says I tell you the truth no one can see the kingdom of God unless he or she is born again now in our culture we when we think about the term born-again Christian, it has certain definitions and connotations. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But for Jesus, there was only one type of Christian. And Jesus used this terminology about birth to explain the significance of what it means to become a follower of His or to be a member of His kingdom. The Apostle Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. In other words, in the words of Jesus, sorry, and in the words of the Apostle Peter, they both declare that when you come to follow Jesus, when you become a follower of Jesus, you are reborn, and you enter into a new world, you enter into a new kingdom, that you enter into a new humanity. In our text, Jesus is talking about this transition. He is telling people what it looks like when you become a member of his kingdom and how radical that membership is. It is important to note that Jesus is telling us what his followers become. Now, the focus and the emphasis on Jesus' words and what his followers become are on being rather than doing. This is an important concept for us to understand this morning. Jesus wants us to be something before he asks us to do something. That Jesus holds a greater weight on our character and our identity, in other words, who we are, is more important than our actions. This is where the second half of the Beatitudes focus this morning, on our actions and on our conduct. In the first half of what Jesus said, he laid out the foundation. And remember we talked about it last week. He's asking, who are you? Who are you? Where is your character and where is your identity based? And where is that formed? Because our actions are built on our character and on our identity. And Jesus tells us that if character and identity isn't in place, that process of talking about the actions are worthless. Because Jesus calls us to be something before he calls us to do something. Martin Lloyd-Jones said these words. He said, a Christian is something before he or she does anything. And we have to be a Christian before we can act as a Christian. Being, this morning, is more important than doing. It's our character and identity that matters this morning. And our action should be an outcome of that. That is why Jesus says we are born again. That we become something new. And all of our activities are a result of that new nature. All of our activities are are, are a result of that new disposition that we have received from God through the holy spirit this is why these eight statements that we call the beatitudes are so searching for us they are so searching in our heart they tell us that while we are living out our ordinary lives we should be declaring in and through our ordinariness who we are and what we are however we live our lives we should be proclaiming that we are poor in spirit that we are proclaiming whether we're mournful, we are proclaiming whether we are meek, whether we are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, we're proclaiming whether we're merciful, whether we're pure in heart, whether we are peacemakers, whether we are persecuted. Last week we talked about the Beatitudes, that they can't be divided or looked at individually, they must be viewed as a whole. If you have been reborn into this new kingdom, then all of these eight statements are identifiers that describe a Christian's character. In other words, every Christian should take on all these characteristics. This is not just for the new Christian. This is not just for the super Christian. But for every person that names the name of Jesus, that follows Jesus, all Christians should take on all these characteristics. Now, the, the Beatitudes begin in verse 3, and Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he finishes the Beatitudes in chapter verse 10 and says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus uses the same advantage or benefit phrase, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. At the beginning, And at the end of his statement, now, as we talked about last week, for those who weren't here, this is a bit of a review. uh, For those who were here and for those who weren't here, let's just explain what Jesus is doing. So in ancient theological literature, this is called an inclusio. When you start a a paragraph with a statement or a benefit statement or or, or a benefit statement, Phrase, an advantage phrase, and it ended with the same phrase, it's called an inclusio. And this is very intentional. It's called a literary device. And these literary devices, or inclusios, are found throughout the Old Testament in books like Genesis, in Ruth, in Jeremiah, in Psalms, and in Isaiah. So basically the first statement and the last statement include everything in between. <coughs> So if you are a Christian, if you are a citizen of the Kingdom of Heaven, each one of the statements, each one of the Beatitudes should define who you are. So with that said, let's quickly review last week's four statements. poor in spirit. And that means to realise that you do not have any righteousness. That face to face with God and His righteousness, you, have, you are utterly helpless and we referred to it as being spiritually bankrupt last week, and because of that, we mourn because of our sin—the sin that's within us—that that we see the blackness of our own heart, and not only that, that we are meek, which means that we have the true view of ourself. that we have not seen it, that we we we, we have seen ourselves. And our greatest enemy does not worry us at all, because you and I know who we are, and you know that God, what God thinks about you, and out of that, we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We long for it. You and I need to understand that we can't create or produce righteousness. That that perfect righteousness has to come from somebody else. And that can only come from a new nature. And that new nature is found in Jesus Christ himself. And only in Christ you can be filled and satisfied. Only through Christ can we be filled and satisfied. And all this is a free gift and can't be earned. So where does Jesus move from here? That's the first four statements we looked at last week. Where does Jesus move from here? He talks now about this newness that should affect Christians. Jesus says that they have become merciful, they should become merciful, that they are now pure in heart, that they are now peacemakers. And the outcome of all this is that they are now persecuted for righteousness' sake. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, Mere Christianity, in chapter 10 he argued that christianity does not set out to make nice people but that christianity is in the business of making new people that within christianity there is this rebirth this new life this new kingdom transformation that happens where people are actually new so today i want us to 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 i want us all to see that that a christian in the kingdom of jesus is new and not just nice. So the question that Jesus is asking, last week he asked us, who are you? This week he's asking us, are you new or are you just nice? So, beatitude number five, the blessing of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So let's begin by defining mercy. Now, I must be honest with you this morning. I initially struggled with the definition of mercy because of its similarity to grace. So I did some research and here I brought it with me this morning. So let's define grace first. Grace is a loving response when love is undeserved. Mercy is a loving response prompted by the misery and helplessness of the one whom the love is shown. So grace is given you is giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve, plus a desire to release the suffering. So Jesus gives us a great illustration and shows us what mercy looks like in the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 to 35, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So we're talking about being reborn into the kingdom. We are talking about being renewed into this new kingdom. So here it is, Jesus is saying, This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Pay back what you owe, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. The wicked servant, you wicked servant, he said, I cancelled the debt. I cancel all the debt of, of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. A Christian is not... Like this man, like this servant. A Christian realises and understands and is dramatically moved by the mercy that has been shown personally to them. I I read once that an alcoholic who won't admit they're an alcoholic more than likely will hate other alcoholics and will severely judge them. And Jesus begins this truth he brings this truth much closer to home for us in this parable and says that a sinner who won't face up to their sin hates other sinners. But the person who recognises his or hers own helplessness and his or hers own wretchedness is grateful for whatever mercy is shown to them and that person learns to be merciful towards others. So here is what nice people do. Nice people hold grudges against people, don't they? but they don't say anything to them. Mm -hmm. Nice people talk about how people have wronged them and they feel vindicated when they talk about it and demand their apology. But new people know what is in their hearts. The progression of the Beatitudes is very critical if we're going to own this concept of mercy. New people know that they are poor in spirit. They are mournful over their sin. New people don't think that they are any better than anybody else. New people have a righteousness that comes from Jesus, which is a perfect and a complete gift that they had nothing to do with. The only way that you can ever be merciful is if you understand and see the cost of God's mercy for you. The only way you can show mercy to others is if you and I understand the debt that God had, that the God of universe has showed us in Jesus Christ. So Jesus is not asking what kind of life are you living. Jesus is not asking you if you're nice. He is asking you if you're new. Uh, and new people understand that mercy has been shown them and they reflect that mercy in their relationships. Beatitude number six, Blessed the blessing of purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now the gospel of Jesus Christ is concerned about our heart. It's concerned about your heart, it's concerned about my heart. Now based on your church experience or what you might have watched on television, you might think that Christianity is based on what you do and who you vote for. As we discussed last week, the audience that was hearing these words were Jewish. So any basis of understanding Jesus' words must be from contemplating the Jewish experience. The Jewish concept of the heart in Jesus' day included the mind, the emotions, the inner life of self and the inner life of the centre. Frederick Brunner said these words, he said... In Hebrew psychology, the heart is literally the human centre, the home of personal feeling, willing and thinking. Heart, will and mind are all covered by the biblical term heart. We can translate pure in heart, therefore, as clear at centre. So purity in Greek is the word katharos. Now where do we hear that word in English? Catheter. For those of you who are medicos... So a katheter, what does that do? It keeps whatever goes into your body clean and singular, doesn't it? So kathos in the Greek means clear, clean, singleness, unmixed, to will one thing. It means without hypocrisy. So Jesus is saying that we cannot see God if we are duplicitous or wavering in our passion. If you say one thing and do another, that's hypocrisy and that's not pure. That's not catharsis. If you think one thing and act another way, that's hypocrisy, and that's not pure. That's not catharsis. So let's pick, let's unpack this a little bit. Jesus is saying those who are poor in spirit and mournful over their sin and meek and hunger and thirst for righteousness, for a righteousness from Jesus, and show mercy, that their newness is shown. In how they show mercy and their newness is also displayed in their purity of heart. That there is no hypocrisy in their heart. For the pure in heart, pursuing a relationship with God is their one and only focus. For the pure in heart, this is the one way of finding meaning, of purpose and security. For someone who is pure in heart, they recognise where their significant lies. It is not in the things of the world. It is not in wealth. It is not in comfort. It is not in power. It is not in fame. Nice people come to church. Nice people know that Jesus is the way. Nice people are getting better and better every day with their moral lives. Nice people look better and have a great external appearance. But new people will admit that they no longer serve their own sake. New people live their lives in repentance. New people see God all around them, even if if others are blind. New people follow God out of freedom and out of joy. A new person's greatest desire is to see God, and Jesus promises that fulfilment. Nice people define the world as nice people and bad people, as good people and mean people. But new people Find the world as renewed people and renewable people. In other words, I am no better than that person. I am no better than this person. So Jesus is not asking what kind of life are you living? He is not asking you if you're nice. Jesus is asking you, are you new? Beatitude number seven, the blessing of sonship. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God or in a modern translation of children of God. To fully understand what Jesus is saying, we have to dig a little deeper into the Jewishness or the Hebrewness of his words. The word the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Now, shalom in Jewish or in Hebrew means wholeness, completeness, healing, and not merely the absence of strife or conflict, shalom implies the positive enjoyment of God. So the entire life of Jesus is marked by peace. He is called Shah Shalom, the Prince of Peace. God is called El Shalom, the God of Peace. And salvation brings reconciliation and peace between God and mankind. So the believer in Jesus has a new mission. And so important is the idea of reconciliation, that Jesus states that whoever makes peace, Those who facilitate wholeness, those who facilitate completeness, those who facilitate healing will be called children of the living God. That peacemakers are one with the Father. Nice people think that when it says, blessed are the peacemakers, that it means being easygoing and having a sober personality. But a new person understands that before they were new, that they were at enmity with God. That they stood against God and His will for their lives. Before I became a Christian, I paid no mind to what God wanted or how my sin was was affecting those around me. But when I became aware of my sin and poor in spirit and mournful of that sin, I started to realise that I was no better than anybody else. And that the only righteousness that I needed to crave for came from Jesus Christ Himself, which is the perfect and complete gift. Because of God's mercy, I began to seek purity and the culmination of all that urged me to reach out as a peacemaker. A new person concerns themselves with the fact that all men and women should be at peace with God. A new person asks themselves, what is God doing in this person's life? And how can I help what God is doing and become of greater effect? If you're working at peacemaking, then you are someone who is trying to encourage others because you know what Jesus did to help you become at peace with God. So if you are a peacemaker, Jesus ends these Beatitudes by saying, you will be persecuted. So as we close, Beatitude number eight, the blessing of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a very intense way to end the Beatitudes. After all that Jesus has explained, that we're to realise our own spiritual bankruptcy, that we are to see that our own sin is keeping us from God, that through meekness we really understand who we really are and what we really need to be, and that is a God-controlled person. And this drives us to want to have a righteousness that can't be provided for, for, from or for ourselves, and only can be found in Jesus. This should then so transform us and make us new and reborn that now we become merciful, we become pure in heart, we become a peacemaker. And at the end of all that, Jesus says, you will be opposed. So let's try and unpack some of this and get a handle on what that means. The first thing that we need to understand is that Jesus is our model. If you have been changed, if you are a new person, people will absolutely be attracted to you because you are, uh, because of how different you are. But at the same time, they will be repelled by how different you are. Isn't that right, Natalie? Yes. <laughs> We can see in the New Testament that both these things happened to the followers of Jesus. It happened to it happened in Luke chapter ten when, when Jesus sent out the seventy. What happened? Can anyone remember? Some of the seventy were fed and welcomed into homes and they were housed. While the others, Jesus said, don't even let the dust of their property remain on your sandals. Throughout the book of Acts, we see the same scenario playing out again and again. There's one example that comes to mind when Paul is at the Areopagus or Mars Hill. He is embraced and shunned all in one moment, all for the gospel's sake. Tim Keller says these words. He says, if you are always persecuted, it is because you are obnoxious. If you are never persecuted, because you are a coward. John Parsons said these words, It is a frightening thought to consider that our faith is so tempered that the wicked do not persecute but simply ignore us. Jesus is not asking what kind of life you are living. Jesus is not asking uh, you if you're nice. He is asking you today, are you new? Because your newness will be so radical that it will attract people and it will repel people simply because of the choices you make to follow Jesus and heaven as your home this morning. Please pray with me. Father God, you promised newness if we would get on our knees and humbly admit you are and let us and let you change us who you are and let let you change us this morning god father i pray today for those that are here and are not new for those of us who are not reborn at this moment that you would open their hearts and help them see that they need jesus father speak now to anyone that may not know you help them see that these words are true Help them to realise that they can experience your forgiveness today if they would come to you and put their faith in you and find the forgiveness that they so desperately need. Help them come to you now, Jesus. God, I pray for those of us who are reborn that we would cast off our idols and in the fullness of purity run after you so that the world might see our newness. And as we do, and as we go, may your majesty and your wonder and your beauty not just be a thing that we talk about, but that it would be a reflection in our lives. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.